whenever I hear our Lord proclaim, you are the light of the world, it is almost impossible not to think of all of those times in my life when it just didn't feel that way. I think about the loss of friendship or chronic illness or the death of a loved one. And in those moments, any light in the world seems like it's a million miles away. Those of us who have seen the last episodes of season three of The Chosen got a wonderful illustration of this reality in the life of any disciple. In the middle of the story, the 11 of the apostles and our Lord himself are wondering, is something wrong with Peter? And as the story goes on, we discover that Peter and his wife have just lost an unborn child, that their baby was stillborn. And when the drama finally breaks, Peter confronts Jesus and he says, you healed the deaf mute man, you, heal, you fed the multitudes. But Lord, when I was suffering, you did nothing. It is a common recurrence in every life. How do we deal with those moments or months or years of adversity? What possible role could it play in our lives? Satan loves to pounce on those moments in his enduring effort to undermine our confidence in God. He tries to accomplish this using two primary approaches. First is to undermine our confidence in God by saying things like, well, if God really were as loving and as powerful and as good as he says he is, then he would never have allowed something like this to happen to you. So the only real conclusion that we can come to from believing that lie is, well, maybe God isn't as good or as loving or as powerful as he says he is. Satan's second favorite approach, and maybe he uses a little bit of both, is to undermine our confidence in ourselves, that we are, in fact, who God says we are, by saying things like, well, you know, if you were a better person, if you were a stronger person, if you were a more faithful person, then this anger or frustration or doubt or sadness or grief would not overwhelm you. And again, Satan lies to us in this way for the sole purpose 
of causing us to doubt God, to separate us from God, and in the fullness of time to permanently estrange us from God. If I can get you to leave here with one thought firmly in your mind, it is that these are profound lies. God is who he says he is. And you are who God says you are. In the moment of your baptism, a bond was formed between you and our Father in heaven that no earthly event can even touch, much less diminish or break. And in every moment, it is our charge to claim that bond. It's easy to remember to claim that bond when things are going well, when things are going according to plan, when things are pleasant, when we are getting what we want. But we need also to remember to claim that bond when we get the opposite, when things are not going according to plan, when things are not going well, when our lives are full of things that are unpleasant and difficult and painful. And the reason is this. As Paul writes to the Romans, he says, of course we give thanks for our blessings, but we also give thanks for our tribulations. Because within the context of grace, our tribulations produce strength and character that our lives would not have possessed had our lives turned out any other way. And again, within the context of grace, God takes this newfound strength and this newfound character and produces hope within us. Hope is that theological virtue that says that we can not only look forward to tomorrow and next year, not to mention all the way forward into the infinite future, but that it is worth everything that we have and are today to attain. God reminds us again and again and again why he created us. And he tells us again and again and again, I did not create you to possess things. Everything you possess will one day return to the dust from which it was made. He tells us again, I did not create you to accomplish things because, again, in the fullness of time, every single one of your accomplishments will return to the dust from which it was created. God even says, I did not create you for your many good and worthy human relationships. I did not create you to be a child or a parent or a spouse or a friend or a co-worker. Again, all of these relationships in the fullness of time will return to the dust from which they were created. God reminds us again and again that the sole purpose that he made each and every one of us 
was to share life with him. And to share life with him in his kingdom of peace in a world that does not end. And because that is the sole purpose for us even existing, that is the sole source of our fulfillment, our happiness, and our joy. So to return back again, well, that sounds good, Father. I mean, I will embrace eternity when it comes, but what am I supposed to do right now? And I think the answer is threefold. One, tell Jesus exactly what happened. And think of it like a news story. Don't make any kind of judgments. Just tell him, Lord, this is what happened. Step two, tell Jesus exactly how you feel about what happened. Be brutally honest with our Lord about how you feel about what happened. Because if you are not honest with Jesus about the causes of your anxiety, the causes of your fear, the causes of your sadness, the causes of your anger, they will overwhelm you. Number three, say to Jesus again in all sincerity of heart, Lord, acknowledging the truth of everything that happened, acknowledging the truth of everything that I feel about what happened, I lay them at your feet. And I ask you, into the empty space that creates in my heart and in my life, fill that space with your light and your strength and your faith and your hope and your love and increase my confidence, Lord, that when you accomplish these things, not if you accomplish these things, but when you accomplish these things, Lord, increase my confidence that I have been transformed, that I am not the person who I was before, bearing new strength and new character. I have new hope, and having new hope, I have new confidence in your enduring love for me and of the future that you and I will inevitably share. And Lord, whatever happens today, let it be for the honor and glory of your name. Whether I am sick or I am well, Lord, let it be for the honor and glory of your name. Whether I am rich or I am poor, Lord, let it be for the honor and glory of your name. Whether I am successful or whether I am a failure, Lord, let it be for the honor and glory of your name. And in the fullness of time, in an hour that only you know, Lord, may even the manner and place of my death bring honor and glory to you. Lord, remind me again that nothing on earth can separate me from you. And the world offers me 
nothing that is greater than the happiness and fulfillment and the joy that I share in my life with you. I acknowledge, Lord, that I am helpless before all things, but with you all things are possible.